0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Later in the show, we're going to talk about the idea of grit versus empathy. And we're going to talk about it in reference to what you teach your kids. Do you teach your kids To be tough as a method of being resilient, or do you try to teach them empathy as a way to sort of navigate the stressors and tensions of adulthood? This is something that's come up a number of times on the show in the background with guests that we've had, but today we want to have an explicit conversation about it, and we're going to be joined by Tyrone Howard, who's an Associate Dean for Equity and Inclusion and a professor at UCLA, and Virgil Al Taylor, who is the Executive Director of the Peace Project here in Detroit. And, of course, we're going to want to hear from you during that segment as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. What's the focus for what you teach your kids? Uh, I, I saw a video this week on Facebook of two kids in a fight, and then an adult comes and breaks them up and gives them this wonderful, wonderful speech about the inanity of uh, what they were doing, punching each other in the face. Uh, it, it, it reminds me of this subject. How do we raise our kids to be able to deal with conflict, which is inevitable, but not do it in a way that leads to fisticuffs? So uh, again, uh, tune in a little later in the show to that, and we're going to want to hear from listeners about what you teach your kids, what you were taught as a kid. But for First, today, members of the U.S. House of Representatives are expected to vote on a plan that would repeal big parts of the Affordable Care Act and replace them with a different system that would change the way people get health care and can be compensated for coverage. It's still really unclear whether Republican leadership has the votes to pass this plan. Uh, It's the first true test, though, of President Donald Trump's ability to negotiate a big government deal like this. Uh, News reports this morning say he was up late last night with members of the House Freedom Caucus, the far right caucus in the House of Representatives, trying to negotiate with them over the bill. They have... Uh, very strong objections to the fact that the bill doesn't go far enough in their views in dismantling the Affordable Care Act. Of course, on the other side, you have all of the Democrats in the House and some moderate Republicans sort of scratching their heads about whether these changes will make things worse for the people who benefited from the Affordable Care Act. Think of all the millions of people, for instance, who are benefiting from the expansion of Medicaid programs in states right here like Michigan. So uh, today I wanted to bring someone in to talk about that. Normally on Fridays I bring in somebody who has an opposite point of view from mine, but tomorrow, Don Gagne, a reporter with NPR in Washington, former reporter here at WDET in Detroit, he's going to be in town, so we're going to have him on to talk about the environment in Washington, so today, we're going to have opposite day, uh, and joining me again for that is Matt Resch of Resch Strategies, PR firm in Lansing. He's a former spokesperson for Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus. Welcome to Detroit today, Matt. Thanks very much. Yeah, you were the first person I brought in here. I will
1: opposite day. <laughs> and, and the series, and it, apparently it, it continues on. So I, it I, continues. I didn't kill it after <laughs> the first week. It. You didn't
0: kill it. You did a fine job. And uh, now we're happy to welcome you back. Well, uh, also uh, on the phones, give us a call and talk about what you're seeing in the House of Representatives in terms of these changes to the Affordable Care Act. Are you in favor of them? Do you think uh, maybe they need to even go further than what this bill does? Or are you frightened that uh, the changes would hurt people Who were beneficiaries of the Affordable Care Act, and that there isn't really an alternative that's being put out there for those folks. 313 577 1019 is the number. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you. I know you are not a fan of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, At the same time, this this change that has been crafted in the House of Representatives has re- attracted a lot of Republican and conservative criticism, uh, namely from our governor, Rick Snyder, who I know has said this would devastate the plan that he pushed really hard at great political risk to himself and some other folks, frankly, uh, to get through the expansion of Medicaid here in the state of Michigan. He says this plan would absolutely decimate that. He sent letters to members of Congress this week, in fact, uh, detailing in their districts how devastating this would be. Give me an idea of where you come down on on this question.
1: Well, it's it's going to be a big day for sure. And I was thinking uh, as I was driving down here you know, about eight years ago, and sitting in this same kind of situation where President Obama was going to pass the Affordable Care Act, and many of the same questions were were lingering. And he's the new president. Can he get his signature thing through? Yeah. And a lot of Democrats at that time, and particularly you know Bart Stupak from the UP, who was a conservative. Um, pro-life Democrat was holding out and wanted to be a no and in the you know in the middle of the night changed his mind And, and that really launched a whole change in, in the political landscape sure. And I think that we're looking at a day today that, you know, is very similar to that one and um, It's interesting that you mentioned the governor because I think as you as I try to consider myself a fairly mainstream Republican When you look at the fact that Rick Snyder is opposed I would say on the left of the conservative uh, spectrum and you've got Justin Amash, the Congressman from the West side of the state, who's opposed from the very uh, right side of yeah. the spectrum. You, you might think maybe we've hit that spot. Maybe we are maybe we've hit that sweet spot from a Republican conservative, um, healthcare policy. I think in listening to people talk about it and listening to congressmen talk about how they're struggling with this. Um, and I wasn't even aware of this until the last few days trying to read into the, just the parliamentarian, uh, you know, yeah, dance that they're going to have to do to try to get this done, that I don't think anyone is saying that this is the end-all be-all. It is, I think, what many are hoping is the the first step in a conversation that's going to then include the Senate, uh, include the president. Um, But I think that from a Republican, if you think you've got Rick Snyder on the left who opposes and Justin Amash on the right who opposes, I think that there's probably a lot of middle ground between those two guys. Uh, that says that there might be something that's salvageable in this bill.
0: Yeah. So the big concern in this bill, though, is of course the expansion of Medicaid, which uh, which made it possible for millions of people in this country who had not had uh, health insurance before. They had health care. Everyone has health care. You can go to the emergency room if something happens to you. They'll they'll patch you up. Uh, but the question is always who pays for it. And the expansion of Medicaid said, well, we're going to have the government pay for more people who can't afford their own insurance uh, uh, so that they can have insurance and go see a doctor uh, and stay out of the emergency room uh, maybe a little more. Um, Of course, you know, the governor's in favor of what he did here in the state of Michigan with that program. I think in the ideal, if he had not had to contend with the Affordable Care Act in its whole, he might have come up with something a little different. At the same time, now what he's saying is that what the House Republican majority has got on the table would destroy what he's done here, and he can't can't sort of come to terms with that. Talk about that particular question and that issue, and I think this is where it goes beyond politics and to the human element of this, that the idea of taking from people uh, an entitlement – and I don't have a problem calling it that. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely what it was – uh, an entitlement that's been extended to them. There's no point, really, in American history where a political party has done something like that, and and certainly not done that and survived.
1: Right, and you know, I think that was, you know, looking at it maybe cynically or realistically, that was the point in the first place. Get that out there. Get people um, <clears throat> accustomed to this to this benefit, and then the idea that anyone could come along in the future uh, and take that away. Is going to be an incredibly hard thing. I think in some ways the governor um, is is being a little disingenuous on on this because we know that the the federal funding for the Medicaid uh, part was going to go away eventually. That's under the current plan. Um, that's why a lot of people in the in the Michigan legislature were like, you know what, this is fine now. The, the, it's essentially it's a it's a It's a house of cards built on gift cards with expiration dates. You know, the feds gave us all these gift cards to go buy Medicaid for everybody, except they all have an expiration date. And at some point that's going to be on Michigan taxpayers. That's the current situation right now. Um, And so I think that for him to say that, it's going to go away because of this house plan. Um, it's going to go away. It was going to it, go. It's away. going to go either way. It's going to way. go away sooner because of the house. Right. Plan. So how do we? So how do we make that? How do we try to salvage that? And I think that uh, going to a block grant system where the states are actually going to be empowered, I think, in, in a little bit more to make decisions, um, so that Michigan leaders like the governor and members of the legislature can look at their budget and say, "This is what we're going to get from the feds. Let's figure out how to do the most with what we have." And I think you know, I don't want to say that good things have happened from the Medicaid expansion. I think a lot of people, like you've said, have gotten access to care. And I think that I'm hoping that when you get outside of the kind of the rhetorical battles of this big bill, that when it comes to implementing whatever happens next, that a lot of those things will be taken into consideration. Yeah. Uh,
0: this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Matt Resch of Resch Strat- Strategies PR firm in Lansing. Uh, he's a former spokesperson for then Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus. He is here representing the other side of the aisle, the other side of the perspective from me, something we normally do on Fridays on Detroit Today. We're doing it today on Thursday because uh, Don Gagne, uh, the National... NPR reporter will be in town tomorrow, and he will be on the show talking about uh, his coverage of Washington under the Trump administration. Uh, we are talking about uh, health care. We're talking about health care reform, uh, the bill that is in the House of Representatives that may be voted on tonight. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Russia probe uh, with uh, President Trump, talk about Neil Gorsuch and his testimony before the Senate in his hearings to become the next Supreme Court Justice. If you want to join the conversation, tell us what you think about these issues. Tell us what you think particularly about the Affordable Care Act and the changes that are on the table. These are major, major changes uh, to a bill that is just now, I guess, five or six years old in terms of its implementation, would send us in a very different direction. Are you okay with that? Do you think that the Affordable Care Act needed this kind of radical change? Or are you worried that the people who benefited from the ACA are going to be the victims of this change and that they will now have to go without things uh, that they've had for the last couple of years. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation, Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments in or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Sarah in Ann Arbor. Sarah, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Hey Stephen, I love your show. Oh,
0: thank you very much for saying
2: that. Um, I um, yeah, I have some um, pretty strong feelings about this act. I'm I'm a Democrat from Ann Arbor. You know, it's a liberal community, and um, my perspective. It looks like they're not debating. The re- Republican side isn't debating how to get our citizens the best health care possible, because I think. We have some of the best medical resources in the world, and every citizen deserves to, to benefit from that. And you know what? I don't even care if they're unemployed. How are they supposed to find work if they're sick, <laughs> especially considering the, uh, the opioid epidemic going on? Sure. So um, I guess until we can come to an agreement that that's, I mean, I feel like the Republican goal is make Donald Trump look good make this look like a legitimate presidency or, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't feel good about it at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sarah, thanks very much for the call and and for those thoughts. Matt Rush, uh, talk about that that question. What is, What is it that Republicans want? I mean, and this is where I think we we brush up against uh, the, the, the characterizations of the party as the party of wealthy people, uh, the party of um, middle and upper middle class people and not the party of uh, the impoverished the the idea that uh, you could take away something like the medicaid expansion without finding an alternative for those people uh, who don't have work maybe or maybe work and don't have uh, jobs that provide them with insurance uh, what, what are they supposed to do and what is it that the republican party is offering
1: those folks well i think it's you know i I think the way that you look at this and the way that I think Republicans in, in Congress, maybe if they're not articulating it well or not, is that what we are and what this conversation is, is is we're about the individual and that what Obamacare did was take out of the hands of individuals uh, basic decision making about their own health care. A lot of people had perfectly fine health care um, until the Obamacare went into place and then all of, th- all of a sudden things changed. They... Their employers treated them differently. Their plans changed. Their plans were taken away, or are or were altered, or they had to go onto a website and all of a sudden shop. Um, oh, and then if they didn't do it, we're gonna we're gonna tax you because we're gonna mandate you do something um, that we in Washington want you to do. And if you're not gonna do it, we're gonna tax you. And I think that you know uh, she's calling from Ann Arbor, and I can I heard and remember very clearly uh, stories of <clears throat> get out the vote calls by Hillary Clinton uh, supporters leading up to the election calling loyal Democratic voters in Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County who were saying, I'm a Democrat, but I'm not voting for her because of Obamacare and what it's done to my small business. And that those are the kinds of <clears throat> the realities that, and it, these aren't easy questions. We want to be able to provide basic care for people who need it and don't have the means to per, to provide it for themselves. But at the same time, you're You have to take that from somebody, and there is a large and I think uh, at this point fairly silent majority of people who are like, this system didn't work for us. Um, It's not working for us now. Every year is different. Every time I have to go back and sign up for insurance, there are fewer providers who I have to choose from. Um, I have colleagues. I have family members who every year have to go out on the the exchange to purchase their health care plan. And every year the list of insurers is smaller, the costs are higher, and their options are fewer. And five, six years ago, they had health insurance that was just fine.
0: But the problem is that, and again, looking at this from the individual perspective is important and and valuable. At the same time, health care is not solely an individual issue. It is it's an issue of the common good. I mean, I think if you want to go back to first principles, the idea that people don't walk around sick. The idea that people have access to a system that produces massive wealth for for some people, uh, and then at the at the lower end was kicking some people completely off of it. So I, I think the question is, how do you marry those things, and what what is the Republican plan to take care of those at the lower end? No one's arguing that the people in the middle got squeezed uh, under the under the ACA, and and that there was going to be cost that somebody was going to have to pick up. I think probably too much went to the middle, not enough to the upper end, but you could sort of, I guess, debate uh, debate that principle over and over. But the, at the end of the day, somebody does have to pay for these things. I mean, if, if you believe in universal coverage, if you believe that people deserve universal coverage, then you have to get it to them. Do Republicans not believe in that, I think is the question.
1: I think there are some who don't. There are some who don't believe that universal health care coverage is, is something that uh, is guaranteed. Um, It's certainly a a desire and something to to strive for. But is it something that the the federal government should be mandating on people? Um, I think there are some who don't. There are some who do. Um, And I think that that is that is the the essence behind taking um, the funding that is going towards the Medicaid population, taking it out of the hands of the mandates, mandates of Washington and giving it to governors like Rick Snyder and others and John Kasich and saying this is we would like you, as the state, you know your state best. You know your Medicaid population best. You know the folks who need this the the most. How do you want to craft a program for Michigan um, using the fund, the limited funds we have? Because we don't have endless funds. We can't conti- We can't just um, tax small business owners or individuals who are buying uh, insurance on the exchange um, endlessly. There has to be an, there has to be a limit. And so let's put that limit on there. Let's let's. Free some of those free those folks up to make uh, wise and informed decisions about their health care and then give you the flexibility with granted fewer resources, but that's the business of government. The business of government is to try to do things with limited resources. I think that's a big part of the problem here is that a lot of a lot of time we approach these problems like we have endless resources, which allow us to get into positions right now where we're facing a decision where we have to make tough choices. Um, there's not endless money to do these things. Whether or not everyone agreed or not, the system currently was going bankrupt. Uh, We had to do something.
0: All right. uh, Let's go back to the phones here. Marianne and Macomb, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Good morning. Hi. Um, I think that while the Affordable Care Act is not perfect, for a lot of people it was a godsend. Um, I work in a clinic that takes care of a majority of Medicaid and Medicare um, patients. And for some people, it was the first time they've had insurance in years, and they had put off having pap smears, mammograms, colonoscopies, what have you, um, until they had insurance. And um, we're finding patients that are severely ill um, because they hadn't had routine visits or checkups in so long. And now these people are panicking because they know that they're going to lose their insurance based on their age and their income and what is proposed with this repeal and replace plan and there you know so many of them are just in in between a rock and a hard place because either they are make working very hard at a job that is either has less than 50 employees and they're not obligated to have provide insurance or they are disabled, retired, or work part-time and are in school, and they're too old to be on their parents' coverage. And, you know, nobody stops to think that the human side effect of what is going to happen to these
0: people. Yeah, Uh, Marianne, I I think that's a great point. Uh, Tell me, if you were to, to be able to fix the ACA yourself, I mean, as somebody who works in the medical field, what what would you have done? Like, what would your appro- approach have looked like?
3: I would, and this is going to be wildly unpopular. With, <laughs> That's
0: all right. <laughs> Go ahead.
3: Um, I would have expanded Medicaid to all the states, and I would have made more of a tax on people with a higher income because they reaped the benefits of living in the United States and making a living like this. And you know what? It goes along with the other segment. Do we teach our children empathy or grit? You know what? There comes a point in time where sometimes you have to say, I have been more fortunate than others and I need to help them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Marianne, thanks very much uh, for the great insight there and the, and the comments uh, and, and the call, uh, Chris, can I touch on the human yeah.
1: issue, one uh, the human, go right one ahead, Matt. Uh, it, you know, I don't want to, I don't want don't, to don't argue and I, I can see her point. I think, um, I had the opportunity to serve on a board of a statewide nonprofit organization that, uh, serves, uh, abused children, uh, distressed families, uh, foster care kids, kids in foster care. And when Obama, it's, it's a fairly large organization, but when Obamacare came into a place <clears throat> into effect, uh, the bottom line for that organization was going to be impacted by over a million dollars. And the CEO and the board of that organization was forced with making decisions about how do we find a million dollars in our nonprofit budget to continue to serve kids who've been abused by their by their parents, who have been abandoned? And, they, and these... How do we put these families back together again? Because we want to provide – we have to follow these rules and these guidelines and these mandates, and we have to provide – and we want to provide quality care for our employees. They're the key right. to our so business. the million
0: the million dollars in expenses were related to employees right. whose health care they were going to have to And to you know for. they had
1: a very good plan beforehand but now they had the new mandates and requirements we're going to add to that budget and they were forced with how do how do we then So she talked about the human element. Well the, those are social workers who are spending time with kids in in desperate situations who May have been laid off because of those decisions. So it's not—it's it, none of these decisions are clear cut. But to say we just need to care about people, you're right. But the implementation of Obamacare had had an al- it had, had another, another It had a on lot people. of
0: ripple effects absolutely. that that people didn't absolutely didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think that's a good point too. Uh, let's go to let's go to Chris in Ann Arbor. Chris, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Hi, Stephen. Good morning. Um, so I, I remember from uh, the campaign, and then as recently as around the inauguration, President Trump promised a health care bill that would uh, be uh, cover everybody said, so we're going to cover everybody. we're gonna have much better care, and we're gonna do it for much lower cost. And the bill that I see in Congress right now is
0: it doesn't really maybe do any costing that.
1: a little bit less, but yeah. uh, it's cutting at least twenty four million more people will be uncovered and I mean, my question is, what happened to that bill? Where's yeah. where that promise?
0: Now? Well, I mean, I think, well, for starters, Chris, I mean, let's let's just be honest. The president is a liar and a proven liar. And so I'm not sure I would have put much credibility in that statement. But Matt Rush, I, I, the, the, the promise then gets extended, I think, to members of the Republican Party. And is there fear, I guess, among Republicans that if they vote for something like this, which does not meet those promises, that there may be consequences at the at the ballot box.
1: I think there's. I think there's whether the word is fear or not. I think there's. There is a real sense amongst congressional Republicans that this is their opportunity. This is the day they've been. They've been saying they've wanted for six, seven, eight years. Um, they've been sent here to do this, and this isn't a popular bill necessarily, but it's the bill they've got, and it may never come up again as another opportunity. I think, and I read this. It's not certainly anything original thought I've had, but it's. It's interesting that you bring up the president and his and his promises and and to whatever value you can you can take those to the bank. But it is interesting that they they talked about essentially we have a congress we have congressional republicans who haven't really been in control for the last eight years. They're they they have three months of three months of practice under their belt at this point trying to push through a major major thing, and essentially they're doing it without any executive leadership to help (laughs) um they wake up every morning wondering whether whose side they're on and is the president going to be with us today or did he wake up this morning at 4 30 and decide he's going to be against us today right and that's no way to try to pass a bill now granted i'm surprised at how effective he appears to be being in the last couple days of getting members to come over um i'm not sure that would work on me but it it seems to be working out for some threatening them right and it's you know but it's true. He he. There is no there's no guiding principle or or follow me, guys. This is what we all believe. And I would be very hesitant as a House Republican or a Senate Republican to take a take a vote and then look behind my back and see that there's no one behind me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, Matt Rush of Rush Strategies PR firm in Lansing. As always, thanks very much for being here with us. On Thank today. you. Today we never got to. Russia and Gorsuch oh, and all those such things. Healthcare took up the whole time. All right. Uh, up next, is it more effective to teach grit or empathy to school-age kids? We're going to talk about it next, and we want to hear from you. 313-577-1019. What do you teach your kids? What were you taught? Stay with us on Detroit Today.